Welcome to the online Bible study. This week we were looking at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 through 12. But before we start, I have a video that I want to show you. You know, Peter is writing to people who are hurting, who are suffering. And we don't know in our lifetime, starting our new year, what kind of hardships we are going to be facing. And this video really depicts what we are going through, that when we're going through trials or triumphs, through joy or sorrow, that God is always there, that He is in control. Please watch this video. Isn't it wonderful that God never changes, that He is in control, no matter what the uncertainties are, He is there for us. And that's what we're going to be seeing as we study 1 Peter. Now we saw last week how God uses ordinary people to accomplish His will. Peter, remember, was a family man, a husband and a brother. He was a fisherman, an apostle of Jesus Christ, and God used him in mighty ways. Ladies, God can use us in mighty ways also if we are willing to follow him. 1 Peter is a book of hope, of encouragement for Christians who are hurting and suffering, people who are ridiculed and persecuted because they lived for Jesus Christ. The prayer requests that we received this week alone shows that there are many people going through various storms and trials in their lives. 
The words Peter speaks are words of experience. Remember, he went through ridicule and he went through persecution. He knows of the power that we have as believers, the power of the living hope. Peter starts off stating that we are strangers scattered among the unsaved, that our life here on earth is temporary, and we are citizens of heaven. Then in verse 2, Peter goes on to encourage us in our faith, to be secure in our salvation, knowing that he is there always to take care of us. He calls us the elect. Now at one time, only the nation of Israel could claim to be God's chosen people. But now, not by chance or by human design, but by God's sovereign, unconditional choice, Jew and Gentile are now known as God's elect. Let's look at verse 2. It says, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. Wow, what an expressive verse. All three members of the Trinity are mentioned here. And all three members of the Trinity work to bring about our salvation. Let's look at this closer. The Father chose us before we chose Him. Ephesians 1.4 says, Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Before the foundation of the world. Think about that. Before the world was even created, God was thinking about us and chose us to be his children. God the Son, Jesus Christ, died for us while we were still sinners. He cleanses us. Romans 5, 6 through 10 says, For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now just been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his love. Jesus Christ died for us on the cross so that we can have eternal life with him. And third, the Holy Spirit, God the Spirit, brings us the benefits of salvation and sets us apart makes us holy, sanctifies us for God's service. So he brings us to the act of faith. Wow, what an awesome God we have. 
All three have a part in our salvation. Think about that. A lot of times we just think about Jesus Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. But there are three aspects here. There is a trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And all three take a part in our lives, in our salvation, in the daily walk that we live. Peter is encouraging us to stand firm. That our salvation and security rest in the free and merciful choice of Almighty God. No trials or persecutions can take away the eternal life he gives to those who believe in him. So no matter how ridiculed, abused, and persecuted, no matter how poor, how hungry, how troubled and distressed, no matter how great the hardships, God will meet the need of his dear believer, the one whom he has elected to be his own. We cannot lose our salvation. Once we have accepted Christ into our hearts, it is ours for eternity. Remember, the Thessalonian believers were suffering trouble and persecution even as these believers were. We find God's mercy always at the center of any discussion on salvation. And it's only God's mercy would allow him to have compassion for a, a sinful and rebellious people. Salvation is all completely from God. We can do nothing to earn it, right? Salvation is given to us because of God's great mercy alone. We do not deserve it. He gives that to us. There's nothing that we can do. Ladies, we should be rejoicing over that. Thanking God every day for the fact that he chose us to be his children, to live with him throughout eternity. Peter's words offer joy and hope in times of trouble. He finds confidence in what God has done for us in Christ Jesus who has given us hope of eternal life. Let's continue on and look in verses 3 through 5. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. No matter what pain or trial we face in this life, we know that it is not our final experience, right? Jesus offers us a living hope a confidence in his promise of eternal life. Because of this hope, we can endure persecution and suffering. It is a living hope because it is grounded on the living word of God and was made possible by the living Son of God who arose from the dead. The believer's hope for eternal life lives, acts, and works within the believer now even while he is on earth. Remember, 
It is not that the believer is going to receive eternal life. He has already received it. That this glorious hope of the believer, the living hope of living forever with God face to face, that is our living hope. That is our glorious hope. The eternal rewards of following Jesus far outweigh the temporal sacrifices. But note in verse 4 how he describes our inheritance. It says, To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Incorruptible, undefiled, and does not fade away. Incorruptible means that nothing can ruin it. Undefiled. It cannot be stained or cheapened in any way. It will never fade or decay. It is eternal. Our promised inheritance comes from our loving Father. We cannot earn an inheritance. It is a gift. The Jews had looked forward to an inheritance in the promised land of Canaan as we saw in Numbers 32 and in Deuteronomy. Just as Christians now look forward to a family inheritance. But what family am I talking about? I'm not talking about your earthly family. I'm talking about God, the family of God, that we have an inheritance in Him and that God has reserved this inheritance for those who have accepted Christ as their Savior. No one can take that inheritance away. Nothing can happen to that inheritance. It never changes. God never changes. Our inheritance on earth dwindles away, but our heavenly inheritance will last forever. But not only is our inheritance reserved, but the believer is kept by the Lord, as we see in verse 5. Now in these words, Peter answered concerns that might have arisen in the minds of persecuted believers. For instance, will we be able to endure and remain faithful to Christ if our persecution gets more intense? What good is an inheritance in heaven, kept safe and sound, if we are not kept safe and sound here on earth? Peter explained that in spite of persecution and even violent death, believers are being protected. Now the word translated protected here is guarded or shielded. It's a military term used to refer to a garrison within a city. It's an inner area of protection. Though the city wall is taken, the garrison is not. So no matter how the world persecutes you, no matter what they do, they can kill believers' bodies. But God was guarding their souls. Now the tense of the verb in the Greek reveals that we are constantly being guarded by God. So this is not, ladies, this is not a one-time thing. God is constantly guarding our souls. We cannot 
lose our salvation. God is there protecting us from the evil one. We may have to endure trials, persecution, or even violent death, but our souls cannot be harmed if we have accepted Christ's gift of salvation. As it says in scripture, Philippians 1.21, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Satan may break our bodies down, but he cannot take our soul. The end of verse 5 says, Ready to be revealed in the last days. Peter thought he was living in the end times. And ladies, all the signs are there that show that we are living in the end times. Each generation feels as if they are living in those end times. But the signs are all there now. He could come before our very next breath even comes out. He can come in a flash. And I believe he can come soon. The attack and persecution of Christians is only getting stronger. And it will only get worse. We need to be encouraged that God is guarding us. That it is through his power and his power alone that we will endure. Dr. Francis Schaeffer warned over 30 years ago that we have a brief window in which to preserve our religious freedoms. He believed that the greatest contributing factor was that the fact that the evangelical church was accommodating to a growing humanistic culture and not standing for biblical truth. Ladies, Christians today are being persecuted every day and we are losing our Christian freedoms. There is an article posted on January 4, 2010 that stated, What were 2009's worst attacks on Christianity? And they gave the top 10. Just like David Litterman gives a top 10 list, they were given the top 10 worst attacks. I'm not going to list all 10, but just to pick out a few said Homeland Security called us right-wing extremists. Gay activists was to oversee public classroom safety. There's an HBO program called Curb Your Enthusiasm, which aired an episode where the main actor urinates on a painting of Jesus Christ. What disrespect. If you haven't seen that or heard of Curb Your Enthusiasm, but you have heard of Seinfeld, right? Well, it is the same characters, just in another show. And it is Larry David who is the main character here that urinates. Next, there is an activist judge who ordered a homeschool mom in New Hampshire to stop homeschooling her daughter because the little girl reflected too strongly her mother's Christian faith. Police were called to a middle school in Lexington, Kentucky to stop 8th graders from praying during their lunch break for a student whose mom 
had tragically been killed. This is on their own time, it's on a lunch break, and yet the police were called because they were praying. Voice of Martyrs shows Christians being persecuted in Nigeria. There are Christians being persecuted in Egypt and Iraq. We see evangelists beaten for handing out tracts and a pastor sent to the hospital after being ambushed. Ladies, it's not just in other countries that they're being persecuted for their Christian faith, but it is right here in the United States also. All over the world, we are being persecuted. Ladies, Peter's words are also meant for us. We are seeing our Christian freedoms disappear, aren't we? Persecutions for living a godly life. We are seeing disrespect of our Christian beliefs. But through it all, we have hope, don't we? It is only through the power of God that we can endure, and it will only be through the power of God that we will be able to stand firm. When we see these trials come, when we see all this persecution and we hear all this in the news, Ladies, rejoice because you need to be looking up because Christ is coming soon. This is one of the signs of the times that he is coming. And we are seeing it today. So if suffering today means glory tomorrow, then suffering becomes a blessing, doesn't it? Let's look at verse 6. It says, In this you greatly rejoice, Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Peter makes it clear to these suffering believers that even as they grieve now, in their present existence, it is only for a little while compared to the glorious eternity awaiting them. We can apply this to our lives today. Remember, this life is only temporary. What we are going through here is only for a little while. We live in a world of trials and temptation. In addition, the believer has to bear the added trial of persecution because of his testimony of Christ. So we ask, why does God allow Christians to go through trials? Why can't God shield us from trials once we are saved? Do you ever notice that it is through those trials that your faith grows? It is when trials come that we go to our knees in prayer, asking for God to help. Now when life is going smooth, how many times do you get on your knees? It is through those trials that we trust God, isn't it, to meet our needs. That we see that God is in control. We must accept trials as a part of the refining process that burns away impurities and prepares us to meet Christ. Trials also teach us patience, as we see in Romans and in James. 
and it helps us to grow to be the kind of people that God wants us to be. Verse 7 compares the genuineness of our faith with gold tested by fire. As gold is heated, the impurities float to the top and can be skimmed off. Steel is tempered or strengthened by heating it in fire. Likewise, our trials, our struggles, and persecutions refine and strengthen our faith, making us useful to God. Now, it may take the fire of trials and struggles and persecutions to remove those impurities and defects. And God values a fire-tested faith. All of us have faith that may be mixed with improper attitudes or sinful motivations. Sometimes even the good that we do is for selfish reasons. But through these trials, through these fiery trials, that fire brings out all those impurities, brings it to our mind that, hey, that's not right and you need to make it right. Get self out of there, those self-hyphenated sins. In the crucible of life, God is our goldsmith. He skims off those impurities. Through trials, God burns away our self-reliance and self-serving attitudes so that our genuineness reflects His glory and brings praise to Him. So how do we grow in faith? during these times of testing and trials and suffering. We do it the same way we grow in faith when things are going well, by feeding on the Word of God. Romans ten seventeen says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Ladies, we need to be in our Word daily, communing with God daily, and you'll hear me say this, over and over again. It is so important to be in God's Word. Our fellowship with Christ through His Word not only strengthens our faith, but it also deepens our love. It is a basic principle of Christian living that we spend much time in the Word when God is testing us and Satan is tempting us. Verses 10 through 12 go on to say that although the plan of salvation was a mystery to the Old Testament prophets, they still suffered persecution, didn't they? And some even died for God. In contrast, some Jewish Christians who read Peter's letter had seen Jesus for themselves, and they knew why he came. They based their assurance on Jesus' death and resurrection. With their first-hand knowledge, and personal experience of Jesus, their faith could even be stronger than that of the Old Testament prophets. Ours can be even stronger. It says, for those are blessed who have not seen and yet have faith. Ladies, this is a great description of salvation. It describes the wonder and greatness of salvation, the glorious truth that God saves men from death and exalts them into the glories of heaven. Salvation is so glorious a work that even the angels are aroused to look into it and to understand what it means. 
So through it all, we see trials and persecution in a different light, don't we? We see how through those trials our faith is strengthened. We see how it is through the fire that we are purified. So when you go through trials, when you go through tough times, rejoice in the fact that God is purifying you and preparing you for eternity. Now don't put on a brave face and pretend you are not going through trials. The Christian life is not easy and scripture tells us we will go through trials. So you can't tell me that you're not going through trials because scripture says that you will. It doesn't say if, it says when. We will suffer persecution if we are living for Christ from those who we come in contact with whether it be a stranger, a friend, or even a family member, you will be persecuted. The message of hope here is that it is only temporary. Life is short here on earth, and we are to spend eternity with our Savior. We ought to be thrilled. We ought to be jumping for joy. So let's make every moment of every day count for Him. So that when we get there, we'll have a crown to throw at his feet. Ladies, next week, we're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 to 21. Now this first section of the chapter, we have seen how Peter has emphasized walking in the hope, right? Well, next we're going to be looking as he emphasizes walking in holiness. So until then, God bless. <music>